Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tip Show, everyone. I'm here with Greg. Greg, welcome. Oh, it's so good to be with you. Yes, indeed. It's good to have you here. Your book, Essentialism, has caught quite a wave. Congratulations on the success. I'm curious to ask you, essentialism is a big word, a big, hairy, fuzzy word <laughs> that is perhaps a dangerous title. What inspired you to name your book, Essentialism? Around the idea of focusing on what's essential, but it's more than just doing this occasionally. It's a disciplined pursuit. It's a way of thinking. Uh, so that's what the ism means. This is not just one more thing, one more little tool to uh, put in your leadership toolbox. This is a different way of doing everything. When you analyzed leadership in general and where we are in our society today, what struck your mind as the clutter that you perhaps see in the world that we live in today? Well, I mean, I think that we have gone from being connected to being hyper-connected over the last 10 years. Uh, and an additional change that's taken place is that we have not just experienced information overload, and we're familiar with that idea, but it's opinion overload. And it's that that's a different phenomenon. It means that we are in the cupboard of our lives, the closet of our lives. We're having people stuff things in all day long. And so it makes uh, the path of least resistance one of overwork and overwhelm and just too many things coming at us all at once. And the bottom line is that in this environment, if we don't prioritize our life, someone will prioritize it for us. Why don't we want to turn off the noise? What is our thirst and fascination for wanting to read the next Facebook post or open up the gajillion emails we get in the course of the day? Why do we do these things? Well, I think that we do them for a lot of reasons, but one is just the fear of missing out, FOMO for short. And the thing is, you know, that's a real phenomenon for lots of people. It keeps them, you know, what if the next email is something really good or what if it's something really bad? I need to be aware of all of these things. Uh, what if the, the latest thing people are talking about on Facebook, is, I don't want to be the one not to wear it or not part of it. But I think what we need instead is to discover the joy of missing out or JOMO. There is a genuine benefit attached to the discipline pursuit of less. You've heard the expression out of touch. I was wondering if we are out of touch with all of this communication happening, is there language happening or do you feel ostracized if you're out of the loop? Is there something psychological happening? Is there some power of reading it all and being on the know with all these angles that is making us feel good or want to remain so connected? Yes, I think that in the short term, we are often socially rewarded for what I think amounts to bad behavior. You know, the challenge is to trade off that short-term benefit for a longer-term benefit that actually matters more. Because I think that when we go for this, you know, must know the latest thing at the latest moment, and this, that's fine as far as it goes, but if that distracts us from what really is essential, 
from what matters most, then I think we're making a fool's bargain. And I can think of that from my own life. I remember getting an email from uh, my boss at the time, and uh, and she said, look, Friday would be a very bad time to have a baby, for your wife to have a baby. I mean, she was expecting a baby, otherwise that would be an even odder you know, email to receive. But in the end, there I am on Friday, that's when our daughter was born, and I'm in the hospital, and wife and baby are well. But instead of being able to focus on what was really important, what was really most essential, I was torn between all of it. How can I do both? You know, how can I fit it all in? And in the end, uh, I went to that meeting. Um, that is why my boss was saying, Brad, it was bad time to have the baby. It was an important meeting that she wanted me to go to. But in the end, that meeting did not seem important. Uh, certainly in comparison was not important. And I realized I'd made a fool's bargain. And that's where I learned uh, this simple phrase that we just discussed. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. And so, although it is true that we can be rewarded in the short term for this bad behavior, and maybe even punished in the short term for good behavior, right? that, that, both of those things may be true in this, this cultural norm of our times. In the end, we, you know, it doesn't make for great life or even career strategy. So that's what I'm arguing for, is a, is a constant discipline pursuit of the essential rather than the undisciplined pursuit of the non-essential. How do you propose finding and discovering what matters and what's important and what will help us get ahead? Well, one thing I think everyone can do, one important tip is that people should hold a personal quarterly offsite. Now, we understand that in terms of, you know, we expect an executive team to take a quarterly offsite to think about the bigger picture, to think about the vision and the mission and the strategy, how we're going to achieve what we're trying to set out to the long-term goals, the three-year goals, one-year goals, the quarterly goals. We expect them to do that. In fact, we would say it was they weren't fulfilling their fiduciary responsibilities to the leadership of the organization if they weren't doing that. So the, the argument for doing it is very clear and pretty widely understood. But despite that, we individually don't tend to do it. And so I think this is something that people can really do. It's something that, uh, in fact, in the last year, been developing this is the team in our company have been developing a formal program for people to come to called Essential, where they get to do this every 90 days. And we've just launched this. We just went through the first one last week. It was amazing to be able to be in nature, which is what I suggest people do, and take a whole day to think of very big picture questions and to be able to design with that in mind instead of just reacting to the latest email or to the latest Twitter update or the latest Facebook feed. This is what I recommend people do, hold a personal quarterly offsite. Do you feel that our work structure right now rewards this repetitive reactionary way of existence that we all muddle through, even looking at how many help desk tickets did you answer today? What was the average time of response? Blah, 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 blah. It's reactionary, reactionary data around that reactionary, you know, that seems to be the engine of the marketplace. Do you agree with that? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that, well, I don't just think. When I interview, when I work with CEOs, what they want from their people across the organization, what they want is for those people to do something to move the needle, something that actually produces great results. 
what the norms of our times produce is something different. And that is people that are busy, uh, but not always productive, uh, people who uh, find themselves stretched too thin at work and at home, uh, people who, uh, you know, are constantly being hijacked by each other's agendas. And so what ends up happening is they make a million to progress in a million different directions. So there's, there's, there's a real um, yeah, discrepancy here between what CEOs want and what individuals want. America, that's about the same thing. We want to do meaningful work. We want to make progress in meaningful work today. Uh, and then there are all of these ways of working that have their root in the Industrial Revolution uh, that, that don't work well in an information age, I think are very outdated. And so what we're doing is we're creating cutting-edge tools based on very outdated logic, very outdated assumptions. And eventually this will give way because the productivity gains of helping individuals to really be able to select how they use their time to really push forward on the things that really matter most is so much better than simply checking off, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this is how fast I was able to do this thing and this is how much was time was between my call. You know, this sort of factory-based system, this uh, you know, outdated, antiquated system, uh, is, is not in alignment with what we really need from people from the knowledge workers today, which is the ability to think, to be able to figure out what the most important things are, to figure out who the most important people are to speak to. So I think over the time, there's evidence that this is changing, but I think over time, the benefits of doing this will be so great and the pain of not doing it so great that we'll see a shift. Let's take a quick break, everybody, and come back with some answers on what are the tactical changes we can make for betterment now. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. 
Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Changes for betterment. What are you recommending? We have all these bad habits. We get that. But what can we change today and now that will help us? Oh, there's a few things we can do. I mean, the first thing is, let me give you a, a principle and then the practice. Uh, the principle is the word priority itself. So the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It, what did it mean? The very first or prior thing. That's what it meant, priority. Sensibly, it stayed singular for the next 500 years. And then only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking of priorities. But how can you have priorities? How can you have very many things, very first and very prior before everything else? You can't do it. And yet with no sense of irony at all, people often speak of 10 priorities, 20 priorities, and so on. So what can we do about that? I'm not saying we can only have one thing that matters to us in our life. Of course, you can have lots of things that matter. But I think it's a very simple practice that every day you make a list of the things that you want to get done, and you put it in priority order. Uh, so maybe you identify the first six things that are really important, put them in priority order, and then cross out the bottom five. Take that top item and really schedule time to focus on that. Maybe you focus on it for half an hour or an hour, the you know, first thing when you start to work. And you don't worry about the rest of the list until you get that done or as much progress as you can done on it. And then you move on to the second item on your list and you keep going this way. Uh, through your top six items. Yeah, this it sounds like such a, a simple idea, and maybe it's the sort of thing you can we've heard before, but it's a thing that matters. If people do this, their productivity goes up, their sense of control goes up, their sense of enjoyment, because they're not just being distracted every second that they're doing one thing, being called into everything else. And we're exercising the very function of our minds that matters so much in an information-rich environment, which is the, the prioritization capability, the ability to to look and discern what's the vital few from the trivial many. This is the skill today's environment. It's not just another skill. It's the, it's the very work of our lives now. And that's one practical way to put it into practice. One of the challenges we have is things come at us so quickly and we need to shift our prioritization around sometimes. How does that work systematically if you are focused just on that one thing? And I guess you might suggest don't open your emails, don't do, you know, do not pass go, do not do anything else until that one thing is done, and then perhaps reevaluate your priorities. Tell us how that works, shifting in new priorities. Yes, I mean, I think that it's, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say for the next half an hour I'm working on this thing. And you write it on a post-it note and you say, that's the thing. And there's, there's lots of software that's being developed. There's an evidence that there's a shift taking place. You can now buy various apps and various tools 
that you can actually, you know, that will shut down all of your digital distractions for a set period of time, for half an hour, let's say. I think it's perfectly reasonable that you could have have a norm with your boss that says, look, you know, I'm going to be working in half an hour segments on the thing that really matters. If you need me on something that's emergency outside of that, call me. You can still be available, but you don't have to be available on email every single second. Uh, Look, email has a lot of utility in it, but so often what I find is when you're checking email, you're checking somebody else's agenda. Not always the case, but it's often enough the case that we ought to be careful that we're not outsourcing the executive function of our brain, of our lives, to email. Uh, And often I think that's exactly what people are doing. They don't know what they want to do next, so they check email. Instead of saying, what's important now? That's a higher and better question. And of course there are some exceptions, but but not many exceptions to, to scenarios in which you want people your people in your organization and you in your own life to be focused on that question. What's important now and focusing on that. You also talk quite a bit about a, a disciplined pursuit of less in the book. Can you describe what you're saying? Why is this important to have less and to have a pursuit of less? Well, first of all, what I, to the last 15, 16 years, I pursued a single question, which is why is it that otherwise capable, successful people don't break through to the next level? And I found that the answer to my great surprise was success. And this is how it works. When you, when you have people, uh, when you have a person focused on the right few things at the right time, it generates success. They make momentum, breakthroughs. Uh, it creates momentum. Uh, when they achieve that success, what follows sounds like the right problem to have, like they have more people asking them to do more of the kind of thing they've been doing. They become the go-to person, and so they get new options and opportunities, like great problem to have, unless it leads to what Jim Collins called the undisciplined pursuit of more. And in the undisciplined pursuit of more, what happens is that we can uh, get, can get so distracted with good things that we fail to do the very things that led to success in the first place. And so exaggerating the point in order to make it success becomes a catalyst for failure. So the antidote to that problem is not to wait until you start to fail, but instead to pursue less but better, have a disciplined pursuit of less but better. So instead of, you know, the, the, the basic, the basic trade-off is this. You can either do very, very many things adversely well, or you can do a few things superbly well. Uh-huh. And I'm advocating that if, if, if we take the path less traveled by today, if we just, or, you know, rather, if we take the path of least resistance, we'll be in the first category. We'll just end up doing a bit of everything. But if we take the path less, less traveled, then we'll end up you know, traveling further and faster, because we'll be focused on just the right few things at the right time. Uh, and this is what momentum is built from. This is what breaking through to the next level requires. Uh, and so, so that's, that's the idea. In the corporate world, letting go and, and, and doing less uh, does not necessarily often translate into uh, promotions and advancement <laughs> and making more money. Um, What's your take on that? 
um, you know, you, we, we tend to promote the people that are taking on more responsibility, that have not only a leader, a proven leader, but are willing to show others how to be leaders. And we therefore will reward them by passing on their wisdom and, and their methods and their systems and their processes and training other people how to do that, which then, of course, generate more revenue for the company. I mean, this is just how companies work, Greg. I'm sure you would agree with that. But what's your point there on doing, in fact, less and hyper-focusing, even as you raise your, your ranks and be expected to deliver more and perform more revenue and more profit to the bottom line? You said there that I was sure to agree, and uh, here's the tricky thing is I don't. And let me just give you an example of this. So award-winning individual in Silicon Valley, so true story, doing terrific work at one company, then the company gets purchased by a larger, more bureaucratic firm. He goes into the new company. He wants to be, of course, rewarded. He wants to be, show that he's a good team player. He does exactly what you just said, which is you know, try and take on more responsibility, try and do more, say yes to everyone and everything. And what he found, and this is exactly what I think most people find, is that their stress starts going up at exactly the same time as the quality of their work is going down. And it was frustrating enough for him because he wasn't being promoted, of course, and he wasn't actually able to do great work anymore. So he couldn't be rewarded financially for that. It was starting to fail because he was trying to apply what I think is incorrect idea. The false assumption is if you can fit it all in, you can have it all. And so all you need to do is stuff more in and you'll get more. Uh, But that isn't what it produces. So what he chose to do is he said he tried an experiment which is he started to say, look, what's the very best use of me? Now, that doesn't mean you contribute less. You contribute more, but you're, you're still being far more selective and thoughtful about what you do and what the best use of you is. And so by the end of that year, he said, I got his life back at home. Uh, he had to eat dinner with his wife, go to the gym at night. And then in his work life, his performance evaluations went up. And he ended that year with one of the largest bonuses of his whole career. What did he do differently? Well, first of all, being invited to a meeting wasn't enough of a good reason just to go. Uh-huh. So he stopped just being reactive to every request. So just because there was conference call didn't mean he was going to be on it. Just because there was email chain didn't mean he was going to respond to it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it doesn't mean he wasn't working hard. The distinction is important. It's not just the discipline pursuit of less. It's the discipline pursuit of less but better. What I think it comes down to is you know, do you believe that saying yes to everyone and everything without really thinking about it is a better strategy than being thoughtful and discerning the right few things at the right time and going big on those things? Uh-huh. I think the first is easier, but the second is far more valuable. So I think it's probably 10 times harder to do the second than the first, but 100 times more valuable. And of course, you can see this in, you know, this is the same strategy that Apple as a company has used to go from being, you know, failing to the most valuable company in the world. It's the same principle, less but better. In fact, it's very deliberately that phrase. It comes from Dieter Rams, who's a designer and also the great inspiration for Johnny Ive at Apple. So their product design and all the other elements that they're trying to subscribe to come back to this single phrase, less but better. So far from being what will slow our progress, it is the very idea that will accelerate our progress. And of course, we have to become skilled and graceful in the way that we apply this. People aren't suddenly just going to want to say no. But I didn't write a book called Knowism, 
this, this is a yeah. being thoughtful. This is about figuring out what's essential and then with that clarity, negotiating the non-essentials, putting to your manager, for example, uh, here are, here, you've asked me to do five projects, you've just asked me to do another one. I'm happy to do these, these six projects in a good level, but what I really think I would recommend, what I think will get you more value and more bang for your buck is for me to take these three projects and do them superbly well uh, so that we can really move the needle. That is a reasonable conversation anybody can have with their manager. Uh, I'm not saying it always works, but I think just giving it up at face value, right? Whatever they say, I simply have to do, and that's all there is to it. I don't think that's the way you go from being an order taker to a trusted advisor. And I think that that's what people want to do. They want to become trusted advisors so they can move up in their careers. Is it helpful to remove the emotion and and the instincts out of our activity? Do you think that's part of the enemy here? I don't think so. I think that, of course, we don't want to be reactive. So we don't want to simply be impulsive. But I would distinguish being impulsive from trusting one's intuition. So I think I would be saying almost the opposite, which is that this is about finding your voice. This is about listening calmly. What is it I should really be doing? What direction should I be going on? Now, that's true in day-to-day work in the current job, but it's also true and even more important in the design of one's life or one's overarching, you know, whatever, 50-year career. Is What is the highest point of contribution that I can make? What am I really built to do? What is the essential use of me? What is So in a sense, essentialism is not about essentialism. Essentialism is about becoming more of who we are and less of who we aren't. That's the work. And we won't find the answers to that from the people who are emailing us today. We'll find that insight as we really ask the question, what's my highest point of contribution? And allow the supercomputer of our brain and our soul to search through all of the data that is us and bring us answers. Uh, we're not looking for just what a good use is of me. We're asking what is the very best and highest contribution I can make. That's a different kind of question, but one I think that's worth asking. How long does this change take once we make a commitment to make it? Well, if I go back to this central program that I just launched, so one of the things that I emphasized to everybody that, uh, that came uh, was to be so gentle with themselves about this transition. Becoming an essentialist, uh, which is sort of the point of the book, is not just to do a bit of essentialism, but to become something different. This is not an event. It's not a moment. This is a process. This isn't a workshop thing. It's not even just reading the book. It's saying, you know, every 90 days, I'm going to come back. What is most important? What is the design I want to have? And then, you know, you go back and you try and translate that and you get it wrong most of the time, maybe even, and you come back again 90 days later. So this is like a three-year journey, you know, where you start to say, these are the really the long-term goals, long-term, I think, three years from now goals. Uh, and this, this is what seems important, that we keep adjusting and we keep discerning and we keep asking these questions. Uh, so, so to me, the, the idea is that we have to go slow in our journey in order to go fast. Uh, rather than, which is what we're normally told to do, that you've got to go big in your change and really push it, chill it this day and this week, really try to become an essentialist right now. It won't work. It will not work. This is, uh, this is the path of exhaustion. It's the path of you know, false beginnings, false starts. So I think it's small changes slowly. 
will produce tremendous results over, let's say, a three-year period of time. I have just a couple final questions for you, and that is, are those are the following. Who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Oh, I think that that's a great question. I mean, there's really only a couple of things that we're doing. Um, what one is I share these ideas at conferences, you know, speaker, and so people can find that at gregmcewan.com forward slash speaking. But then this other thing that I think is really important is this essential program. Uh, and people, all they need to do for that is go also to the website and email and the contact page that they're interested in to find out about this. We're putting together the next class. We, we launched two last week. They're fantastic. They're all coming back to 90, 90 days from now. To a person, they just couldn't believe how natural it felt to do this. It's almost like, how did we not do this before? How is it that people everywhere don't take a day to design their life every quarter? Uh, now I think it's unthinkable myself. But yet, you know, for so long I didn't do it, and most of the people I've talked to don't do it. So just Greg McEwen, G-R-E-G-M-C-K-E-O-W-N.com, and just put something in the contact page that you're interested in the essential program. Greg, great having you on the show today. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you ever so much. A pleasure to be with you. Yes, indeed. Until uh, next week, everybody. Hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and more aimed at essentialism. Thanks to Greg. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.